Good morning to you on the 1st of May. Hoping we're finding each and every one of you uh, in good form. And it was lovely to wake up on the 1st of May to lovely clear blue skies. But unfortunately, the cloud is uh, starting to build. And already somebody was on commenting on the fact that it is the 1st of May and wondering, uh, 1st of May brings back memories of school days and May altars. And I was thinking, goodness, I haven't thought of a May altar in so many years. But yeah, I do remember the May altar and we hit a lovely lilac bush in our garden so when it was sort of your turn you went around the class for people to bring flowers in for the May altar we always had the lilac uh, to bring in and that gorgeous smell of lilac and it will always sort of remind me it's one of those smells and sights that can bring you back to your childhood and you know you knew you had the long hazy days of summer and the summer holidays uh, were looming so I don't know the listener was wondering do, do children and do schools Uh, still have May altars and we know there's been much discussion in this uh, country about the Catholic Church being removed from schools and for parents to have better choice when it comes to education. Not everybody wants to raise their child as Catholic but what is it something like 90% of primary schools are Catholic ethos schools but that's not to say that they go along with a lot of the old traditions but I don't know, my answer plain and simple is I don't know if anybody still, any of the schools are still doing May altars. Have you children going into school, will they be looking for flowers to bring in for the May altar? Let us know 1850 333 103 and I want a quick thank you to some people posting again today with very kind donations for my trip to Belarus uh, tomorrow. Mary and Skibberine, thank you for your generous donation and Eileen in Bandon, very, very kind of you. Thank you for remembering the little children in Belarus. And there was a lady called into the radio station yesterday with a donation. There was no name or nothing on the envelope. Thank you just to say that I've received them all safe and sound. And this time tomorrow I will be underway and the journey will have began. And I'm still packed the bag last night, getting it all ready, nervously excited, I guess how I would describe it. Somebody stopped me yesterday and was asking me, was I uh, wishing me luck with the trip and was asking me, was I bringing Marsha? And no, I'm, I'm not uh, bringing Marsha. It would be too difficult to explain to Marsha that we're only going for a visit and that she would be coming home. And I would be just be very afraid that it would frighten her, that she may think she's been dropped back to the orphanage. Um, and because because of her deaf because she's deaf blind, she relies on her sense of smell so much and she can pick up on smells so she would know. I mean, she loves going on aeroplanes. She loves going away on holidays. But I guarantee you, the minute we would arrive, she would know by the smell exactly where she is. And it would be just too unfair. I, I wouldn't frighten her uh, in, in that way. I'd love to be able to bring her back. I'd love to be able to bring her back and let people who had worked in orphanages where she was and children that she had had shared orphanages with with to let them see her but I will go laden down with photographs and little video clips on, on my phone for people that would remember her to be able to see how well she is uh, doing and I will be on Friday morning going to what would have been the adult institution where she would have ended up had she remained in Belarus and I'll be meeting up with the children who she had lived with as a child and I am really looking forward to that and and hoping and praying that I find them all in really good condition and that the orphanage that they're in is a really nice place and that it's homely and that they are well looked after because I will be devastated I think if I walk away and it's an institution that I'm not that happy with so fingers crossed for that 
So keep me in your thoughts and prayers, please, because I don't know what way I'm hoping that I go and that it's a very positive trip and that I come back full of joy that we found everyone in, you know, such good condition and that, you know, people are living their lives and getting on with their lives. And of course, Belarus will always be affected, certainly in our lifetime and the next generation and the next generation. They'll always be affected by the radiation from an accident that happened, not even in their own country. It happened across the border in the Ukraine was is where Chernobyl, where the accident actually happened. But of course, with the way the wind was blowing, it was Belarus took the brunt of it. A little bit like really, if God forbid something ever happened in Sellafield and the and the wind was blowing in the right direction or the wrong direction for us, and it all ended up over here. It's kind of a little bit like that. Anyway, uh, let me move on. But just as I say, keep me in your thoughts and prayers, and I will. I'm really hoping to do at about quarter to twelve on Friday morning. I'm hoping to hook up with John Paul from Belarus just to let people know how it is all going. Also want to follow up on yesterday. We spoke with Nolene Blackwell from the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre. She's a fantastic woman and always great to, to speak to and always gives a great understanding of domestic abuse and great to offer advice to women and men uh, because we had people we had men contact us yesterday say it isn't just women that can be victims of domestic uh, abuse but the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre by its nature predominantly work with women. There are men of course get raped as well but predominantly they work with uh, women and we were talking about coercive control and we were talking about Clodagh Hall God help her, may she rest in peace along with her three boys and murdered at the hands of her husband who it turned out afterwards that her family started to realise the controlling relationship she was in and course of control is now on the statute books and even though very hard to prove but somebody can end up been brought before the courts for a course of control and we had a number of people contact us thanking us for doing the interview and people talking about their own situations and saying they, they, they did get out of the situation uh, thankfully but then we had a phone call in from a lady who is living with her adult son she is a lady in her 70s who said she isn't too mobile She's able to potter around, but she can only do it with the help of a walking aid. Her daughter also lives with her. Her daughter is her full-time carer. But her problem is not with her daughter. Her problem is with her son. Her son is in his 40s. He's single. He's no job. He's living on social welfare. And when she was listening to Nolan Blackwell talk about domestic abuse, she suddenly realised that that's what she's living with and it's not at the hands of a partner, it's at the hands of her son. She describes her son as verbally abusing her. He's never been physical, there's there's no physical abuse but it's the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse and the psychological abuse and she said it is just awful. And when she rang us yesterday, too upset to come on air but she was talking to John Paul and John Paul said she was really, really upset and I suppose in some ways good that she was able to talk and be able to see from our interview yesterday that what she is living with is abuse. To add to her problem with her son, he drinks. He drinks at home and she said he's worse after drink. Um, She is confined to her house because of these mobility issues and because the son doesn't work, he's at home all day as well. So it doesn't ever seem to uh, end And she contacted us yesterday and we said we would mention it today because 
she's not the first person to be in a situation like this. And this is elder abuse. Now, we will get phone numbers for her that she can contact and hopefully be able to get her some help and advice. I mean, Senior Line certainly would be able to help her. But in the meantime, we put it out there to see if anybody listening can offer words of advice. Because as I say, she's not the first woman that finds herself in this situation. And I have a sneaking suspicion that there were there's probably a lot more of it going on. It's a very hard thing to admit that your son or daughter is abusing you. It really is a difficult thing to do. Now, obviously, it's her home that she lives in. You would lo- you would love that she would be able to say to this layabout, because that's what he sounds like, there's the front door, you know, you've given X period of time, get out. You know, she does not have to live with that. She does not have to have that kind of a bully in the house with her. I don't know if the daughter, as her carer, is able to stand up to this brother because if she's, if the elderly mother is being abused, it the sister probably is intimidated. And if there's drink involved and, you know, he might get aggressive in drink and everybody's walking around on eggshells, you know, not afraid to upset him. And then there's an avalanche of verbal abuse or psychological abuse. So if anyone can offer words of advice to this listener, uh, please share your thoughts with us at 1850 333 103 text or uh, WhatsApp 086 103. And we're going to say, stay actually on the subject of domestic abuse on the programme today because we will be hearing from a local counsellor who shared her own experience of escaping domestic violence and she was very brave. She spoke about it at a recent council meeting and out of her discussion spoke about the need for safe houses. When women need to escape, they realise that they're in an abusive relationship and they need to get out. Many of them need to get out with their children. And if the abuse has been going on for quite some time, and of course the abuse can take many different forms, it often takes financial abuse and financial control and a woman can find herself in a position that she doesn't have any money so it's not a simple thing of just filling up the car with petrol and driving off into the sunset and setting up home somewhere else. Many of these very vulnerable women need help and they need help in the form of a safe house and we know because we've certainly discussed it with the West Cork Domestic Violence uh, Project they've been trying to get a safe house in uh, West Cork. We don't have one in North Cork. We don't have one uh, in East Cork. The only one is the overstretched one that's in the city which just is not good enough so we're going to continue on that theme later on on the programme today. We're also going to ask should people out walking their dog be fined if they don't have plastic bags with them? The idea here would be that they could be stopped by a litter warden if you're out in charge of a dog and say okay not that the dog has done his business or anything but they can be stopped and asked do you have what means do you have of cleaning up after your dog if your dog fouls while you're out here in the park or while you're out walking on the streets uh, wherever uh, it is? Is that something we should introduce in this country? And actually Maura has already been on to say, Patricia, I was in a most amazing place on Sunday at my grandson's birthday. The wetlands in Tralee, but I was disgusted. A man was there with his dog. He left his dog do his business in the grassy area where a large amount of kids were running around and playing. Now, the park has a massive sign up and they supply 
bags and they supply a disposal bin. Maura says, what a brave woman. I went to have a word with him, but he took off like a scalded cat to his car. So he obviously realised that our Maura had clocked that his dog had done the, his business and he wasn't going to clean up. He saw Maura heading over, scuttled off into the car. God, brave man, wasn't he? Brave, brave man. But that's annoying that he was in a place where they had bags and where they had the disposal bin because you'll get people say, you know, oh, there's nowhere to dispose of it and the other annoying thing that people go out with plastic bags and then they just throw it into the ditch because there aren't enough bins. But to think that in this, the wetlands interly with large signs, so they do welcome people. Bring along your dogs if you want to, you know, feel free. We're all inclusive. We'll have the dogs as well and we're making it easy for you because we'll supply the bags and we'll supply the disposal bins. And this guy thinks, yeah, it's quite, it's quite okay to let his dog do his business knowing, knowing that there's children running around and playing. Shame on him. I'd love if you'd caught, if you'd caught up with him more because I could imagine the choice words uh, you would have used. But well done. Well done for even trying. 0862103103. We're going to speak with one of the founding members of the group Women's Lives Matter. This was a group that was set up following this vital check uh, scandal. And I was just thinking and they're doing a bit of a protest today with the Taoiseach in town. The Taoiseach along with the entire cabinet are having a, they don't often get out of Dublin for cabinet meetings but they're holding a cabinet meeting today and then there's this town hall meeting about the plebiscite to elect a mayor in Cork City. The Taoiseach is going to be addressing that uh, later on. So Women's Lives Matter want to have a chat with Leo Varadkar. So they're planning on going to the hotel where he's going to be later on today. And when I was prepping this piece for today I was just thinking like it's just over a year now uh, since all of this story first broke and you kind of think have we moved on in any way are, are women feeling uh, since Vicky Phelan very bravely went public to tell her story and remember they tried to gag they tried to put a gagging order on Vicky Phelan and if, if, if Vicky Phelan hadn't been brave enough to say no I'm not accepting a gagging order I'm going to go public I'm going to tell other women what has happened we would never have known we'd still be in the dark about this vital check uh, scandal so she's, she is such a brave brave woman but you wonder now over a year later are people still feeling nervous about going for their smear tests we know because we've spoken with some of the women they are still waiting on test uh, results the last time I think we looked at it somebody was waiting seven months for a test result and that simply is not good enough so let's hope that the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar when he's in Cork today will meet some of our great ladies who go under the banner of Women's Lives uh, Matter. Uh, we also are going to hear about a scam. This is to do with renting a room. One of our listeners contacted us. We'll give you the details of that by way of just to warn others you need to be very, very careful. We start a new bi-monthly slot on the programme today which is going to offer advice to people who need help with mortgage arrears. Unfortunately, we are not out of the woods when it comes to people who are in houses that they bought at 
during the boom, huge prices, they're in negative equity. So when they get into difficulty with their house, it isn't as simple as just selling and moving on. Many people can't sell the house because if they sell it, they're not going to make enough to pay off the mortgage. And then we have people who are in arrears. And unfortunately, you'll hear of people who just kind of bury their heads in the sand and hope that it will go away. And of course, unfortunately, that doesn't happen. So we're going to offer advice on that. And if anybody has questions with regard to mortgage arrears, get them into us, uh, please. Also, the news breaking of the departure of John Caulfield from Cork City uh, Football Club. They have just this morning announced that John Caulfield is to step down as the first team manager with immediate uh, effect. We will speak with our C103 sports commentator Trevor Welch on the topic after 12 o'clock today and then after half 12 Peter Dowdle will join us as he does every Wednesday answering all of your gardening questions. You can get your gardening questions in throughout the day. 1850 333 103 Kids growing up in the heartland. Jackie gonna be a football star. Diane's debutante backseat of Jackie's car. Sucking on chili dog outside taste freeze. Diane sitting on Jackie's lap, got his hands between her knees. Jackie say, hey, Diane, let's run off behind the shade of trees. Dribble off those Bobby Brooks, let me do what I please. Say, oh, yeah, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. Say, oh, yeah, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone to walk on Jackie his back flexes thoughts for the moment scratches his head and does his best James Dean well, then, there, Diane, you gotta run off to the city. Diane says, baby, you ain't missing nothing. But Jackie say, oh, yeah, life goes on. Long after the thrill of living is gone. Oh, yeah, I say, life goes on. Long after the thrill of living is gone. Women. 
And that is Jack and Diane. I'm being told that the traffic is still backed up on the M8 Dublin Road heading towards the tunnel. So I would avoid that area, please. It's been backed up for the last hour or so. And it's because of an accident. Hopefully everybody's okay in that accident. And actually on the topic of accidents... The Gardaí have been on to us from Bandon to say that there's a demo demonstration exercise taking place at Old Chapel near Bandon this morning. They're doing a crash simulation and it'll take place from about now until half past 12. So if people are passing and thinking it's an accident, it's not, thankfully. It is a demonstration exercise from now until half 12 at the old, at Old Chapel near Abandon. We were talking about Maura wanting to approach the guy in Tralee uh, last week who allowed his dog to foul in an area where there was children playing and even though there was bags provided and bins to dispose of the dog dirt, just walked off and Maura went over to approach him but he scuttled off the brave lad into his car. John and Whitescross was listening to that and he said he was in Dublin last week and he was listening to one of the local radio stations in Dublin. They had a similar chat show on and they had a woman came on who was in a similar situation to Maura uh, in that because Maura wanted to approach the guy. This lady decided to go over and approach a man in Dublin who was walking his dog and letting his dog dirt behind him. So over the woman went to say, excuse me, please, you know, being polite, being nice about it. You really need to clean up after your dog. The guy who she approached to tell him that he needed to clean up after his dog hit her and actually broke her jaw, punched her obviously into the face. It was in a park in uh, Dublin. So John says people, but especially women, need to be very wary who who they are approaching. He said the woman went on to talk about the fact that she's she's been out of work for a while because of her injuries. Could you imagine that? That's why I think, firstly, you've got to be very brave to approach somebody. We, We all would love the idea that we would be able to do that. But yeah, one of the things would be that fear factor. You don't know who you're approaching and what if they are aggressive and violent and they turn like that? What a shock for that poor woman to get. Thank you for that, John. 1850-333-103. Going to take a break and actually we're back discussing this uh, issue and in particular looking at a suggestion that people should be fined if they don't have the plastic bags with them when they're out walking their dogs. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. One local election candidate is calling for people to be fined if they are in charge of a dog in a public place but do not have bags with them to clean up if their dogs foul. To talk about the scourge of dog dirt on our walkways and footpaths, I'm joined by Labour candidate for Middleton East Cork and that's Eric Nolan. Good morning to you, Eric. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. Do you believe we've gone beyond raising awareness about the issue 
and we now just need to start getting tough? I'm not sure anybody ever needed to be told that they can't leave excrement in public places. You know, like spending money repeatedly on raising awareness for something that should be really very, very obvious. It's hard to see the logic in it, you know. And your solution would be to fine people before their dog has even left the mess? Well, I'd have a couple of a couple of um, parts to the plan. That would be part of it. Like if somebody isn't carrying a bag or sim- similar implement, then they're clearly not going to pick up after their dog. So that's one part of it. But also I'd be looking at increasing the budget to have set dog fouling wardens. Because at the moment we have litter wardens who are very busy with, with multiple other things mm. and fines are just not getting issued. And the reality is people know they're not going to get caught. And I think that's the issue. The reason we don't speed as much on the main roads anymore, or most people don't, is because they think they could get caught. And yeah, obviously we know, you know, we know it's important not to speed, but that's the biggest driver for most people, I think. And is it also hard at the moment for the litter warden to actually get the owner and the dog? I mean, they have to almost catch them in the act. Yes, and that's the most difficult part. And then you look at situations where we're expecting citizens to report other citizens and go to court and create those kind of situations. And really what I'm trying to do is lay out plans, some of which have been done elsewhere, that will, will make it more likely for people to be caught, but remove some of that confrontation. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm talking about a pooper snooper program where... Yeah, explain like we, what that is. Basically, any area that's very bad, uh, somebody can send in photographs of the area. Obviously, if somebody is willing to send pictures of somebody committing that act, great. But if they, if they have an area that's very bad or if they want to highlight something, they can send it in to the new team that I would propose, which would be a, a group that would be only dealing with dog fouling. And that area can then be monitored. Like, technology has improved so much these days. It isn't as expensive. It would be cheaper to have a unit like that investigating, I would think, than all the money being spent throughout Cork City and County on posters and cinema ads and radio ads and colouring competitions, you know? And the plastic bag one where... That operates in Australia, whereby if you're out walking your dog, you you can be stopped. And I and I was in Australia Christmas, and I saw people being stopped, and asked, "Do you have plastic bags with you?" And they clearly did. And I think that's reasonable. And uh, canvassing so much lately, I'm meeting a huge amount of dog owners, and they agree. Most people are very responsible, and and they don't want to be walking on it either. You know, and we we are very aware of wheelchair users get affected big time. I have an 11 month old at the moment and he, he sleeps better when we walk so we walk a lot. Yeah. And um, the buggy's destroyed. Oh. How hard I try every day nearly. And that's Main Street Middleton. It's Ballyannon Woodwalk. It's, you go out towards the People's Pass. It's Castle Martyr even. All over the place. It's everywhere. It's a scourge, you know. And it's just, as you say, I think the majority of dog owners are responsible. It's just the small number of irresponsible ones are ruining it for everybody else. Yes, exactly that. And while that's going on, we have current councillors who have had at least five years to deal with it um, talking about raising awareness and running colouring competitions. You know, I think new ideas are needed now um, and that's what I'm trying to lay out because, like, if we want to represent people, I think what you need to do is lay out clearly what you're going to do. It's very easy to say, look, that's terrible and we'll make a new story out of that. You have to have plans and, and myself and the other Labour candidates around Cork have plans. Uh, a Butterfield listener uh, says, I asked the council to put up dog fouling signs. They refused. Yeah, that's a big issue. And bins, I've had people contact me about bins. Yeah. And, you know, there's a, a severe lack of bins and there's another product, Castle Martyr here in East Cork have done very well. They've Mutt Mitts Ireland is a company that provide bags and they have them in place. 
and those things are vital and something I'd be very much pushing for. But I would say quite clearly that the fact that there's not a bin at the moment is not an excuse to leave excrement on the walkway for somebody in a wheelchair to roll over after you, you know. Well said, well said. And I know, I just can't remember what area it was. I remember discussing, uh, it was like a tidy towns group uh, were out cleaning up an area. It was a, an approach road into a town and an area that's quite popular with dog walking. And the amount of bags, the people had gone to the bother of bringing yeah. their plastic bags with them, picking up the dog poo and then firing it into the ditch in the plastic bag. It's incredible. And again, it looks like more than what it is, I think, because that bag is going to be there for months. So if one person is doing that, you will have a collection of bags. That could be one person. Um, and it's, it's, it's an incredible thing to do. And they're, they're in, I suppose maybe their logic is that, oh, why should they have to carry it home? They have to carry it home because it's their dog and they get all the joy of dog ownership, of which there is much, but they also have the responsibility. And most people understand that. Yeah, yeah, just bring it home with you. I mean, or you will eventually come across a bin. There mightn't be one there yeah. and then, but you, you, you will eventually uh, no, come across it. There isn't enough bins, that is yeah, the fact. Yeah, you know? yeah. OK, um, and Eric, we, yesterday on the programme we were discussing local election posters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know I've read some of your stuff online. You, you were not that happy about having to erect posters, but because everybody else is doing it, you kind of felt you had to. Yeah, I suppose not being elected, you need to try and get your name out there. But what I did, I'm very environmentally aware, so I've I've written an awful lot about climate change. It's something that will be a big worry for me. And I decided this time not to create any new posters for my campaign. So every poster that you see from me is five years old. Now, the added benefit of that is that I look slightly better in them, you know, so maybe that'll get me a few more. (laughs) But yes, I've created no new posters. I've used the old ones. And to be honest, I don't think I'll ever buy another poster. So look, in 10 years, if I'm running again, I'll either reuse or I won't use it at all. But would, would, would you be in that campaign for a blanket ban that everybody just decides and we have an area, say, in every town, uh, every municipal area, uh, and we put up, you know, some kind of a, an area where everyone would have the same size sign and you, everybody gets to put their posters there and that's it? Absolutely. Be done with it. Now, it would need to be done properly. And, and yeah. we're not great in this country sometimes at doing things properly like that. But yes, if we could have an area where new candidates, because... Elections should be about ideas. Like, look at the city. There are certain candidates have hundreds. Yeah. Like, if, they, if you can outspend somebody else to that extent, that's not good for democracy either. Set areas, equal space, and allow the electorate to make decisions based on facts, based on policy, based on ideas. You know, that's, it needs to be about ideas and what we're going to do for people rather than how much money we have or how many, how many posters we can put up, you know. OK. All right, we'll leave it there, Eric. Thank you for that. Thanks, Patricia. And, uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is Eric Nolan, uh, L- Labour candidate for the Middleton Cork uh, East uh, area. Um, Eileen in Mitchellstown says this is, um, well, it's not quite a dog fouling, but it's on the topic. On the bypass in Mitchellstown that goes around the town. There's an absolutely beautiful walkway. But the bypass there the but the mess on the bypass is unreal. She says there's no dog in the world would make the mess that humans do. The amount of rubbish, domestic rubbish, cookers, chairs all dumped on this beautiful pass. It's absolutely awful. And that's from Eileen in Mitchellstown. And hi Patricia says Breather, listening to your interview with interest and yes, I totally agree that dog fouling is out of control but I would be better pleased if someone could take charge of the shocking, shocking levels of cruelty 
to poor animals that people just turn the other way. Now the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar is on a three day campaign across the country ahead of the local and European elections with Cork on the agenda today where the Cabinet also will hold its weekly meeting. The group Women's Lives Matter who have been highlighting this vital Czech scandal hope to meet with the Taoiseach and joining me with details of an event planned for the Clayton Hotel at 7pm this evening is one of the founding members of Women's Lives Matter and that is Lisa Birmingham. Good morning to you Lisa. Good morning. Uh, you're, you're welcome. It's now over a year since Vicky Phelan first shared her story and drew attention to this scandal. Have we seen any improvements since? To be honest with you, Trisha, Patricia, from what we've seen, no, none whatsoever. Women are still um, in, in a state. Um, we have women that wouldn't be part of the 221 Plus group that have reached out to us, you know, regarding advice, um, where to go. Um, as you, uh, I don't know if you were aware recently that we had um, an anonymous person that got in contact with our group and basically gave us information regarding the ongoings of cervical check and the, the bureaucracy that was going on with it, the way people were being, um, if uh, the call centre, um, uh, they, the staff invented a term, dedupe, to get rid of um, dupe, duplicate Excel records. Um, as women phoned in, um, phone calls coming in created four records. Um, it was being done manually every morning, and it was going on for months. Um, the data had to be fixed. So it, the process became a farce because if women phoning in didn't give at least three ID answers to prove um, who they were, yeah, nothing was processed. Yeah, you know, it's, cra- uh, it's shocking. So, it's shocking, uh, and I know we've heard we've we continue to hear from women, uh, Lisa, who are waiting on results. I mean, we, we only had one woman lately, like seven months, and it's you know, and if you're any way nervous about the result or if you've had an abnormal result in the past, you know, you're you're very anxious to get the all clear and we shouldn't be asking women to wait seven months. Absolutely. Not at all. Not at all. All we seem to be hearing is um, this is passing pillar uh, pillar to post. Um, Like Damien McCallion, the Director of Screening Services, bear in mind, no, he's not in the job five minutes, stated slide test the information that was given out regarding the slide test expiring was misleading. You know, um, he's certainly not a reliable source regarding our smears. And then I read, I read in today's paper that the main Irish laboratory used by Cervital Check is to stop accepting new smears from GPs uh, because they're trying to clear the backlog, the backlog. of, of, of 80,000. Absolutely. Which is So if you sit down and think of it, since Vicky Phelan stood on the steps of the court last year, nothing has changed. They have just promised and continued and it's just delay, 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 just passing pillar. To, it's like they're all, it's like a circle. They're all uh, blaming one another and passing the book and forgetting the most important thing, which is the women and the families of this country that need their health sorted. Um, and basically what we are doing tonight is, as you know, we've done a few protests yeah. um, at home and we did one in the doll. Um we basically want to present him with a petition that we brought to Dublin at, at Dáil Éireann um, on September 18th. And I personally rang Leinster House myself and asked them, would Simon Harris come out and accept our petition on behalf of uh, the women of, the, of, of Ireland and their families? Um, 
we were ignored. We actually went into the, the gallery of the doll. Leo Vradkirk could have came and accepted it because we actually saw Leo sitting in the doll actually playing on his phone, you know? And what's, so we, what, what does the petition state? What are you asking for in that petition? What we are looking for is, and we, from day one, that's what we've been looking for, um, is that we do not want any more outsourcing of our smears. We want it stopped and we want a free public health system to be brought back into this country that we can start having and, trust in. And again. yet the HSE has said it's sourced new capacity overseas to help deal with yes. the backlog. They've been to the States um, yes. and um, the, the, they went there in, in recent weeks. So they have no intention of stopping the outsourcing. Exactly. So basically you have men, the majority of men up there making decisions for women. We are being totally ignored. We've been failed on an epic level and they just seem to be disregarding us. Uh, okay, so you uh, you're going to pro- are you going to protest tonight? Is that the plan outside the hotel where the theatre yes. is going to be? Yes. Okay, and um, we would like him to come out and accept the petition, as I say. Which says okay, if you got if you got the chance to sit down and talk with him, Lisa. Yes. What would you say? Well, what I would say is, you know, this this debacle has been going on twelve months. All you seem to be doing is promising. Um, passing the buck on everybody else. Um, do the women really matter? Why won't you listen to us? Why won't you stop outsourcing our smears? Why don't you re- rebuild, get the labs back in, get the the, the, te- the team back in, the experience back in? We know it will take time, but at least it's, it's, it's something that's heading in the right direction that will build a trust back up in the screening system. Because we know screening saves lives. We absolutely, categorically know that. Absolutely. it's um, With this outsourcing, um, when you have the likes of um, a lot of uh, negligence within the one in in the US, you know, there's nobody being held accountable, Patricia. You know, and that's very very upsetting for families that have been involved directly who have lost loved ones. No accountability. It just seems to be... um, Accountability seems to be within department, but you can't individually put pull, pull, uh, pull somebody out to that. You know, somebody needs to be held accountable. Justice has to be served. This would not happen in a private sector if somebody done wrong, and especially if somebody died at the hands of their mistake. There would be repercussions. They would lose their job. Time. They probably would have to go to jail. They, they would not be sent sent off into the sunset with another position. And a pension for the rest of their lives and a fantastic salary. It doesn't work. One rule for one. And that's the elite and another rule for the working class people, the ordinary folk of this country. And that's not right. Are you looking for people to join you this evening, Lisa? Absolutely. You know, please just come out. Um, just support us, you know. Uh, fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, mothers, you know. It affects women, you know, with their bodies but it affects everybody as I say fathers grandfathers you know when it affects a loved one a female loved one in their family please just come out and support us you know um, that's what we need we need to get a a, a public health system back into this country you know one that we can trust yes absolutely yeah and it's it's Clayton uh, Clayton Hotel on Lapsky Clayton Hotel Lapsky we'll be there from 7pm onwards and um 
it's the least Leo Radcliffe could do is accept our position. I, 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 I don't know if you went all the way to Dublin with the petition and I yes. know it was Simon Harris that, that, that you initially wanted uh, to take it. Did you get any reason as to why they wouldn't even accept it from you? We didn't even get a response. None whatsoever. And we have been calling them out through, through media, through our, our protests and everything. And what's frustrating, Patricia, is Leo and Simon are, when it's for their own advantage and their image, are in photo shoots with different campaigns when it suits them. You know, they're elected into this job to represent everybody. And you must stand by every campaign. You can't hide behind people, you know, and come out then when you look good in certain campaigns. That's just not right. But for some that's reason, they don't want to face you you guys down. No, they don't want to face us. And that's corrupt. You have to face you have to face everything. That's the job you take on, you know. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't know why they yeah. won't just meet and just talk to you and, and absolutely you know absolutely you know and we've you're, you're, you're a reasonable bunch of women you're not you know you're not you're not lunatics you just want to talk to them you want to put forward your your genuine concerns and you're summing absolutely. up the genuine concerns of like women sh- from all yeah. over this country absolutely if I showed him some of the stories we've gotten from women it's just horrific horrific the way they've been treated. And only for they've taken it into their own hands, some women, they would not be here today. Yeah. They would not be here today. This is just not happening like it shouldn't happen. You know, at the end of the day, this country is just, it's a small country. You know what I mean? We should have a very healthy uh, health service. You and, know? We, and we put enough money into it. We certainly put, per head of population, we put a lot of money uh, into health. It's yeah. just, it's it's how it's used is the question. Okay, Absolutely. listen, uh, Lisa, pleasure to talk to you. Good luck with your, with your, I really hope you do get to meet with uh, Leo Varadkar uh, tonight. But thank you for joining us on the programme today. And thanks for having me on, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Lisa Birmingham, they're one of the founder members of that group, Women's Lives Matter. Now on a campaign to try to meet with the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, but the fact that the Cabinet are meeting, the Health Minister, Simon Harris, is going to be in town uh, as well. 1850 We're going to take a break. We, um, John Paul continues to take your calls. We have news on the way um, and in the next hour we will be speaking with a local councillor who shares her experience of, of escaping domestic violence. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Dog fouling. Some of your commentary in. Hi Patricia, I was walking recently when I passed by a woman who was out walking her two dogs. The dogs did their business right outside somebody's front door. But she took a plastic bag from her coat pocket and bent down as I passed her. About one hour later, I was returning and the dog feces was exactly still in the same place. So she obviously saw... Uh, the person coming up and said, oh, I better, I better look like I'm doing something here and bent down as if she was going to pick it up. And as soon as our listener had walked by, that lady walked on uh, as well. Shocking, shocking. And hi, Patricia on Dog Poo. Mallory's course is a disgrace. We were there for the big push last weekend. People leave their dogs run free and never appear to clean up uh, after them. And yeah, and then you'll have other, you'll have, and particularly for that big push, because that was a big family event. That was the five responders schemes who came together for that big event in the Cork Race Course. And they did that as a family day. So there would have been children running around as well. And I always think if you see children in an area, on a grassy area, that I think dog owners then more than ever need to bring their A game and be cleaning up after their dog.
dogs. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that big push because since Monday I've been men- me- meaning to give a shout out to them and to say well done to the five responder schemes who came together in North Cork along with members of the fire service and the Gardaí. And they actually pushed a fully equipped ambulance the distance of a full marathon. We spoke we spoke about it on the programme many, many weeks ago and I know when I was off last week, John Paul did an interview about it as well but it, it was terrific and it was no mean achievement and I saw um, Stephen Murphy put up some video footages on of the Mallow Star. He put up little video clips of them pushing the ambulance and the size of the ambulance and to push it around the race course for a full marathon was, was terrific. So well done to all involved there. OK, let me go to the phone lines because I want to speak with Esther. Esther is in Carrigaline. Good morning to you, Esther. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. You've contacted us because you, there's an issue going on in Carrigaline with water on, water off. What's what's going on? That's right. Um, last Sunday morning when we got up, we had no water all day until about six in the evening. The same thing happened yesterday and again this morning the water is off. Now, we're living up in the lower Kilmoney area of Carrigaline. Yeah. And last year, we had seven breaks during the year. Now, we were told that the whole pipe needs replacing, and that would have been done early this year. But so far, they're still patching, putting in bits here and there, and we're constantly being, you know, without water. It's, it's, very, it's, just, very it's just like putting a sticking plaster on it and then it's, they'll, exactly. they'll replace or they'll fix one bit and then the, the fact that the pipes are so old. That's right. That's, that's it. That's just and not good enough. Is they put in a new section of pipe and the pressure then breaks the older, older section, section further yeah. up the road. Yeah. This. Now, they're wasting their time, their energy, their money. Oh, they are. They are. It's probably costing more in the long run than if they had put, replaced the whole pipe initially at the beginning. And they they assessed, they have assessed it, they know it needs to be replaced, and the hold-up is what? I don't know what the hold-up is. We, we passed there this morning at 20 minutes to 11, and uh, they had all their red bollards in position, and across the road we saw um, Count Luzan and a truck and a couple of men so obviously they were only arriving at that time, even mm. though we were without, without it since seven this morning. And it's only when you are without water, Esther, that you realise how important it is. It is Exactly. And you exactly. think of families with children heading out to school this morning, you know, with babies, somebody getting up to yes. tr- in the middle of having a shower and the water goes, just not good enough. It's just not exactly. good enough. Now, we've contacted Irish Water again on this issue. We've been on to them before about Carrigaline. You know, they say they're aware of the situation. Obviously, they're aware of another burst uh, pipe today and they say they're investigating the breaks in water in Carrigaline. So we'll see if we can get even a time frame, Esther, at this stage. I think people, yes. if you even knew that if they came and gave you a promise, we will be there in July and we will replace that pipe. You'd, yes. You'd almost, but it's it's just it's just not knowing is the frustrating part. It's not knowing and it's it's just, this has been going on a number of years. Yeah. But last year with the seven breaks throughout the year uh, really topped it. That's a lot. And of... we're only four months into this year and already we've had three breaks 
in just four days. That's not good enough. That's just not good enough. It's okay. Not, All right, not. leave it with us and we'll see what we get back from the mister. Do you always have bottles of water in the house to fill the kettle with? No, the, no. No, I was actually out shopping yesterday and I was going to buy a bottle of water and yeah. I said, you know, it's broke down now the last two days. It shouldn't break anymore. Oh, and God. here we are again this morning. Oh, God. You know? Yeah, so, it's tough. It's tough. I'll be buying water today. You will, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Listen, Esther, thank you for your call. And thank thanks uh, for joining us. 1850 As I say, we are awaiting. We are awaiting some uh, confirmation back from Carrigaline. I think from Irish Water about Carrigaline. I think they just need a time frame. They need to know. They'll probably come back and tell us they don't have the money. But I mean, if they've been putting up with this for a number of years, it needs, it definitely does sound like it needs to be uh, prioritised. I can see some questions coming in for Peter Dowdle. Can you keep those coming, please? Because Peter will be joining us after half past 12 today. Earlier this morning, one of the first things I did was I mentioned a listener who had contacted us yesterday following our chat about coercive control with Nolan Blackwell of the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre and that led to a discussion about domestic abuse, be it physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse or coercive control. And I couldn't get over the number of people who contacted us yesterday who had either been got out of the situation, thankful that they were out of the situation, others who were still in the situation. But we had a heartbreaking call from an elderly lady who didn't want to talk to us on air, but she's a woman in her 70s, but wanted us to raise her problem on air. She is has mobility issues. She can, can just about walk, but she needs a walking frame. She doesn't get out of the house much because of her mobility issues. Her daughter is a full-time carer, but the problem is she has a son in his 40s, an unemployed man who sits around the home all day and he seems to drink a lot and he verbally abuses her. There's no, thankfully, there's no physical abuse, but he verbally abuses her, psychologically abuses her, emotionally abuses her, and it, get, it gets worse when he uh, drinks. And she, it was just when she contacted us yesterday, she was just really, really upset because I think it was when Nolene was talking that she realised she's a victim of domestic abuse. We always seem to think the victims of domestic abuse would be the partner. It would be a woman being being abused by her husband. It would be a man being abused by his wife. But you don't often think of elder abuse at the hands of children. And it is a reality. And unfortunately, with more adult children being forced to remain at home because they can't afford to buy their own property, or in this case, he's probably trying to get a council house. We know what the waiting lists are like there. So this woman is in the situation that she feels because it's her son she has to put up with it. Well, Jackie was on to say the one, the only advice I can give that poor woman is to tell her to go and get a barring order. She needs to go to the Gardaí, tell them what's happening and get a barring order against her son. It's not an easy thing to do. It's a very di- difficult step for a parent to take. We lived with this situation for many years. We had a brother who was very abusive towards my parents. He bullied my mother and my father. He was aggressive towards all that he came across. But he was the sweetest, kindest person when he was outside the door. I feel so sorry for people who have to suffer like like that. Please tell that lady to go get a barring order against him. But when she gets the barring order, she must stick to 
it. And that's signed by uh, Jackie. And I agree, Jackie, that for parents to have to do that, because at the end of the day, you know, we bring children into this world, you know, loving them and believing, believing in them and looking after them and hoping that one day when we get old and grey and frail that they might get the opportunity to look after us. But you never, ever expect to be the victim of abuse at the hands of a much-loved son or daughter because it can be daughters as well. It's it's shocking. And you are right. It would be a very difficult step to take to go to the guards to say, I'm being abused by my son. I need a barring order. But you're right. She does need to do it. She does not need to be in her 70s living in a situation like that, terrified every single morning that she wakes up because she doesn't know what kind of form the son is going to be in. She doesn't know if he's going to have money for drink and if he has drink, well, then she will know what happens. She knows it's going to get worse. And I wonder, I, I because I wasn't able to speak to her myself, I don't know what's the situation with the daughter. The daughter could be, as Jackie says, also living in fear because that's what seemed to have been the situation in Jackie's house until they took that. What is a very brave step. It's a very brave step. But maybe if she can get the daughter on side and get the daughter to help her, that the two of them together, you know, united we stand, divided we fall, that, that maybe that can work uh, for her to get the two of them to go together. Thank you for that. Uh, good, good, good advice, Jackie, and good to know that your parents got out of that situation. 1850-333-103. John from Chernobyl Aid Ireland was on to us. He must have been hearing about my trip to Belarus yesterday. He said there's a humanitarian aid as we speak being boxed up today in Yall by six sisters. Here's a great bunch of women. Esther, Trisha, Mary, Mag, Noreen and Toots. They're better known as the Collins sisters and as we speak they're packing boxes for humanitarian aid to be shipped to Belarus, Ukraine, general areas affected by Chernobyl. It goes out on the 13th of May. They have a truck and trailer which has been sponsored by O'Leary International and Perks Entertainment in Yall. Good luck with that ladies and enjoy the packing. And a mention to you on behalf of Kevin Quaid Kevin is that wonderful gentleman who's on a mission to help people understand dementia. Uh, Kevin himself was diagnosed in his early 50s with Lewy body dementia. He wrote an incredible book. We've spoken with him a couple of times on the programme. He is truly, truly inspirational along with his wonderful wife there. Just a great, great couple. They are having an Alzheimer Tea Day today in the Daily Grind in Canturk and it will coincide with their monthly afternoon tea between three and half past four and everyone is welcome, especially if you have any concerns at all about dementia. So if you're in Canturk, please head into the Daily Grind for their Alzheimer Tea Day. We were talking about election posters and have been talking about election posters. I read with interest that the ESB have a warning local and European election candidates that putting posters on ESB electricity polls poses a serious safety risk. And when I was reading this, I was talking to John Paul before we came on air and I said, doesn't this come up at every single election? And we always hearing from the ESB telling candidates, please do not put posters up on electricity polls. So I set you all a task if you're out today. Take a look and see, are you seeing any 
posters, election posters up on electricity poles. The ESB network say that there is a real danger to life by placing poles on live electricity placing posters on live electricity poles. And in the past, posters have caused the pole to catch fire as well as creating blind spots for traffic. The ESB say it has had to interrupt electricity supply to householders and businesses in the past in order to safely remove dangerous posters. It's warning that posters erected on electricity poles will be removed by the ESB networks and the costs may be recovered from the parties involved. I think that's the way to go. I think if the ESB have to send crews out to take down posters that have gone up on ESB electricity poles when candidates have been told they shouldn't do it, then they should be charged. For every single poster that the ESB take down, I think the candidates and are the parties should be fined. Anyway, if you're out and about today, just when you're glancing around at all those lovely posters and the happy smiling faces just see if you can spot any that are actually on ESB electricity poles 1553310 Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. And we've just had an update in from Irish Water on Carrigaline and the situation that Esther outlined to us of water outages in the area seven outages last year and four already this year. Irish Water say there's been three successive outages since Sunday affecting Kilmoney area of Carrigaline. The supply interruptions have been caused by three separate breaks and it's on this four inch main. Now, Irish Water said the particular section of main is scheduled for replacement and design is underway. Contractors appointed and works are expected to be completed by the end of September. These breaks are common and they illustrate the size and the scale of the challenge to bring the ageing infrastructure up to a satisfactory standard. Now, uh, that will be hopefully some comfort to Esther and the rest of the good people in Carrigaline in the Kilmoney area of Carrigaline. But they look like you're going to have a bit of a wait. The end of September, we're at the start of May. So you'll have all of the summer months, May, June, July, August. And that's so in September. You'll have five months of which... If we get a long, hot summer, there'll be the five hottest months of the summer, which traditionally sees people use water more. And I'm assuming the pipe is so old, it's any pressure on the pipe. So if you get a lot of people say water in the garden or maybe if we get a sunny spell and somebody's filling up paddling pools for children, that could put pressure on the pipes. So I have a sneaking feeling for Esther and the rest of the crew around the Kilmoney area of Carrigaline that you're going to have a lot more breaks between now and when that pipe is replaced. But let's not focus on the bad news. Let's focus on the good news. The good news being that the replacement work has gone to design, contractors appointed, 
uh, work will get underway and then by the end of September so this time next year it'll be but a distant memory of the pipes constantly bursting in the Carrigaline uh, area so Esther who was good enough to contact us this morning if you can keep us updated on that please let us know when the work begins and when the work is uh, complete Okay, now we this was an email that we got in by word of warning and I want to bring this to you because in the hope that we can alert other people uh, to a scam that now it's it's a similar sounding scam that's been used before but I don't know if it's been used in this context with daft.ie Gillian contacted us to say hi Uh, Can you alert people in Cork, please, who are using Daft or indeed other similar websites to advertise a room to be very aware of a bank draft scam that is doing the rounds at the moment? Usually the person says that they're in another country and that they'll send you a bank draft. So you're putting a room up that you want rented. This person will contact you, say, that's absolutely ideal. I'm overseas but I'm coming back I'll be back in Cork you know the beginning of June would love to rent the room what do I need uh, to do so they then say you know you'll obviously say we need a deposit and you know first month rent up front all of that so the person who's obviously contacting you via email is in another country says absolutely no problem I'll send you on a bank draft so in Gillian's case the bank draft arrived but it arrived for more than the amount that was requested. Now, I don't know because it's not in the email from Gillian. I don't know how much you requested, but you'd be assuming probably maybe around the 1,000, 1,500 mark bank draft arrived and it was for €4,400. The person then makes up this cock and bull story of, oh, in, in error, I sent too much money. I need you to send back some of the money, keep the deposit, keep the first month's rent and can you send the rest back to me? All the while, the bank draft has gone into the bank. The bank has cleared the cheque for Gillian. But in Gillian's case, it actually took a month before the bank realised that it was a fraudulent cheque. So the cheque hadn't actually cleared. But obviously Gillian got her suspicions raised when somebody sent on too much money because that usually is the scam. They'll send on too much money. They'll have some kind of a story as to why they sent you on too much by mistake. They say to you to keep the money they owe you and could you send me back what's left. People assume that it's a bank draft so it's okay and they put it into the bank but you really have to wait until the bank can guarantee you that that cheque has cleared. Now I'm assuming that the bank didn't tell Gillian that the cheque had cleared but it took a month. Now I don't know why It takes a month for a bank to realise that it's a fraudulent cheque or in this case a fraudulent bank draft. But then to add insult to injury, obviously Gillian didn't send any of the money back. She was waiting to make sure that the bank draft had completely checked, had completely cleared. But the bank ended up charging Gillian €60 for lodging the bank draft and then €75 because it didn't clear. So it ended up costing Gillian €135 and the room is still vacant as she was holding the room for this person who she believed was legit and was going to send on the money. So she's also down on the rent she would have received for the room and the room is still 
vacant, vacant. Western Union transfer was requested, by the way, when the woman came back saying, oh, I've sent you too much. Can you send it back to me by Western Union? And of course, if you get involved in Western Union and start sending Western Un- money, Western Union, you've got no comeback uh, at all. The cheque um, may clear, but it was a counterfeit uh, cheque. Um, Gillian says, I hope you can say, share this in the hope that it will save others the hassle. And the name that the woman was using was Darlene Mayer. That was the name that was used in Gillian's case that name could change. She may she may use the same name, but usually these scam artists who are very good at what they do, they will change up the name and that name will change every single time that they go to try to scam somebody else. So just be careful of of that. I've I've also heard it being used when somebody's trying to buy if somebody has an item for sale on any of the you know, the buy and sell pages, somebody will offer to buy something from you and they'll send on the money and the check or the bank draft is also always larger than what you requested for. And that's where that that seems to be the modus operandi. That should get alarm bells ringing straight away. Never ever return money. If they were stupid enough to send too much then do not be stupid enough to get caught up with this and start sending money back to them. Because if Gillian had sent, if Gillian had believed this person and genuinely believed that it was a regular bank draft and she was taking the money for the deposit and the first month's rent and had she sent back whatever the balance was, she would be down that money along with the €135. Those bank charges are very expensive, aren't they for... I didn't realise that banks actually charge if a fraudulent cheque is put into your, your account. I mean, Gillian put it in in good faith. She wasn't to know that it was a fraudulent cheque. Now, I accept that the bank obviously has some work to do uh, with it, but I can't see why it should be costing Gillian €135. Euro. And I take it that standard, I don't know what bank Gillian is with, but I imagine that that standard across all banks that they charge for that type of somebody trying to lodge a check, a fraudulent check. So be careful, please. As I say, I've heard of that scam being used. I just hadn't heard it being used with regard to the renting of a room. So you need to be very, very careful. A lot of questions coming in for Peter. Keep those coming, please, because Peter will be joining us after half past 12 today. If you have a gardening question for him. There's a lot of people out and about in the garden. We've had some really nice weather, particularly over Easter and that's fantastic smell of fresh cut grass. It would just always put a smile on your face. It's terrific. Anne says there are a number of election posters on ESB polls. Should I passed them this morning? But she's not saying where she has passed them. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I've seen I, I'll take a particularly good look. I know I've seen them up, up on polls. I'm just assuming they're ESB polls. Maybe they're not all ESB polls. And Eileen in Kildallery on dog fouling says that there is a park in Kildallery that actually has a sign up saying no dogs allowed. And I'm assuming that's been done because people were using the park with their dogs, not cleaning up after it. So the park now, you know, you can't bring a dog in there, which will give great comfort to parents who are bringing children in there 
because the parents at least will know that the park is not going to have any dog poo in it. So well done to uh, Kildallar, whoever came up with that idea of a no dogs rule in the park. Getting lots of calls and photographs on WhatsApp in from people showing posters on every single ESB poll in sight. Pat says, uh, sends in a picture saying posters on all of the ESB polls on College Road that is by UCC. Audrey says all over Cork the election posters are on ESB polls. Uh, Michael says, Patricia, I've seen election posters on ESB polls from Dublin Airport to the tip of the Bear Peninsula in the last week. We were never told it was illegal to put posters on ESB polls, not alone a safety reason, says uh, Michael. Well, the ESB are out warning and they have issued this warning before and they're saying it poses a serious safety risk. Now, I don't know, and I'll get John Paul to check, I don't know if they're saying it's illegal but what they are saying is that it poses a serious safety risk and for that reason they have been forced to send crews out which have ended up interrupting electricity supply in order to safely remove what they say are dangerous posters and they have in the past had posters that have caused the pole to catch fire. So the ESB are saying it's purely for safety reasons but I don't know the legality of it but we will try and get that uh, checked. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103 Now today we start a new bi-monthly feature on the programme where we will be discussing the work of Awalia who are the free mortgage arrears support service operated by MABS. Joining me is Eamon Foley who is a dedicated mortgage arrears advisor with MABS. Good morning to you, Eamon. Good morning, Patricia. And you are welcome to the programme. Thank okay, you. Okay, let's get a bit of background here. How long is Awalia up and running and how is it actually funded? Um, Awalia is up and running now for, for at this stage for about two years, um, year and a half to two years. Um, it's state-funded um, and I suppose the basics of it is is that it, it, it's administered via the MAB service and uh, it operates uh, a voucher system. So what it allows you to do is if you are in mortgage arrears, mortgage difficulties, it allows you to go and see a solicitor to get legal advice um, to see a solicitor uh, if you're in court. Um, there's also another side to it where you can see an accountant if, if that's deemed necessary. But Look, the main the main part of it really is is to to concentrate on on the legal advice because I suppose there's a lot of mumbo jumbo out there for people when when they are in severe mortgage difficulties, and uh, perhaps it it helps them to 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 clear things up for them. And at what stage do people come to you at, uh, Eamon? Is it when they are in severe mortgage difficulty? Um, well, in my own role, yes, uh, I deal with the stage mortgage arrears, so um, the, the clue is in the title, I suppose. Yeah. Um, we get uh, into the MAP service, we get uh, people who are in all sorts of difficulties from very early on, often in pre-arrears, that they, they know they're going to go into arrears, and we have money advisors who would help them. Um, for my own role, it's, it's normally where, where legal action uh, has, has started. Um, often people are in the court system, um, they might have even been in court on a couple of occasions. They might have even had had uh, had um, gone through the county registered court and and been in front of a judge. But look, I suppose the key message to get out from the MAPS perspective is that it's never too late. Um, we we can help them, or we can uh, do our best to help them at any stage, no matter what stage they're at. 
Um, don't put your head in the sand. Come and see us. And if there's something that can be done, we will help you to do it. And it's a completely free service and it's completely confidential um, and people should be using it. So talk me through what would typically happen when somebody would come to Awalia for help and advice. Okay, so look, first things first, I suppose, when when people come to us, they're usually uh, coming in because something has happened that has made them not be able to pay their mortgage. They were they they qualified to get a mortgage at some point in their lives, and now they're not able to stick to that arrangement. It could be illness, it could be job loss, it could be anything. Um, so I suppose if they, they haven't been able to deal with the situation themselves, uh, arrears build up, um, they're receiving letters and phone calls from the banks, and, and quite often people just start to turn off and, and, and tune out of the situation and don't really want to deal with it. But it gets to the stage then where they start to think, oh god I'm going to lose my house I, I better do something about this um, and, and you know that first step is probably the hardest step it's very hard for someone to make a call or to call into the office and, and, and to say look I need a little bit of help here um, basically when they come in we'll review their situation um, we'll do a full uh, standard financial statement with them and, and quite often it's something as simple as that standard financial statements uh, um, that have been filled out previously are often filled out incorrectly and it's those that the banks base their decisions off of. So if they're incorrect to start with, then there isn't going to be a suitable proposal um, picked up on by the bank, you know. Um, I suppose we're, we're filling these things in uh, week in, week out for people. Um, you know, something simple like something is paid weekly, but it's not multi- uh, all the standard financial statements are done monthly, so they multiply by four. But actually, you should be multiplying by 52 and dividing by 12 yeah. to get an accurate figure. You know, something simple like that. Yeah. But people just don't, 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 don't um, I suppose, think that way the way we do it. We're doing it day in, day out. Um, look, we, we'll then review their situation and maybe go through any of the alternative repayment options that are there with them. You know, it could be something simple like paying interest only for a time they might be off sick but going back to work, something like that. You might be looking to defer payments, extend the term. Um, there's lots of options there in, in, in terms of repayment options. But then sometimes people just can't afford to repay their mortgage, you know, at all um, at, at, at the rate they've signed up to or even if it was restructured. Um, so then you're looking at non-repayment options, things like mo- uh, mortgage to rent, uh, voluntary sale, maybe trading down. Um, and then, uh, of course, obviously the insolvency options are there for people and we can direct them through that as well. But the main message you're trying to get across, Eamon, this morning, there are solutions. I think people get into such a blind panic with the thought that they could lose their home. And, you know, you're talking about families with children, you know, and we're all hearing about a housing crisis and people dread the idea of losing their homes and becoming homeless. For sure, yeah, you know, and I suppose I, I deal a lot with, with people who come in to me and, and they've got what I call a bar stool advice, you know, that the bank will never take your house, they'll never put you out. Um, look, it's very difficult for a house to be repossessed in this country, but that's not to say it doesn't happen. It does happen eventually. But a lot of things have to happen for the bank to repossess your house. And I suppose what we in MABS are very good at is putting uh, solutions in place that will allow the bank to go a different route other than repossession, you know. Um if 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 they're willing to cooperate, if they're willing to put in a little effort, and if they're willing to work with us, um, then I would say 99.9% of the time we can come up with some kind of a solution. Uh, it may not be the solution that they want, um, but a lot of the time we can. And, and um, I think that it's a very, very good service. It's free. Uh, it's confidential. Nobody will know your business. And uh, look, if it keeps you in your house, isn't it worth a phone call? 
And do you deal with vulture funds if the mortgage has been sold on? We do indeed. Yeah. We do indeed. Yeah, we often do deal with them. And, that, you know, sometimes administratively, they're probably a little better than the banks to come back. Get out of here. Get out of here. But, you know, I mean, while everyone gives out about the banks and, and the, you know, the, the vulture funds and uh, the financial institutions, it's in their interest to try to find a solution. It is. It is in their interest. And look, I, I suppose um, they're, they're looking at an overall situation and they're obviously selling bulk loans to, to, to the vulture funds, but they're selling them at a discount. We'll never know how much they sell them for. No matter what people tell you, they, you can guess away, but you'll never know how much they're, they're, they're sold for. We won't know, they won't know, and the banks definitely won't tell the public. So, you know, um, but there's no doubt they were sold at a discount. So often the vulture funds are perhaps better able to come up with a, a, a deal that will enable you to maybe uh, get a discount in your house or something like that. But what I would say that the key thing with vulture funds is they're not really interested in long-term solutions. They're they're looking for pretty fast money yeah. on, on their book. Quick buck, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, I suppose sometimes it works to the customer's benefit if the, if the loan moves to, to a vulture fund. But look, it, 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 it's a case-by-case situation, really. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things, again, that people just dread the idea of getting that letter in to say because there's been so much negative publicity around them that people they just... Do, but it's, again, a fear, it's, it's a fear it, factor. It, it, it is. It is the idea that oh my God, a vulture fund has my has my house. I'm going to be out the street next week. And look, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. You still have the same protections, um, whether it's a vulture fund or a bank. Um, the county registrars uh, in 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 our area are quite good. Um, they want to help people. And um, you know, as I keep saying, come make the call. Call in to see the office. Uh, someone in the office and uh, just get advice. It won't cost you anything. And if you don't like it and you don't want to do it, you've lost nothing. And I'm interested when I when I was asking you, you know, who typically uh, comes to you for advice, and you were saying, you know, across all the sections, including people in pre arrears. Yeah. In the ideal world, that's when people should be should be coming to you, isn't it? Saying, look, I know in a couple of months' time, I'm not going to be able to afford my mortgage. Now is the time to get working on it. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, the earlier you come, the better and, and easier uh, it is to get a solution, and the more time you'll have to do it. Um, like I suppose. It, what I often see is I, I get people coming into me with a letter saying I'm in court tomorrow, you know, and it doesn't leave much time. Mm. Um, but look, um, I suppose uh, if if you can come early, it's great. Even if you're coming to me on the day of the court, um, in 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 we have um, duty solicitors in the court who will help you. Maps have a presence in the courts in in, in Cork and in Limerick. Um, the duty solicitor will advise you on any of the legal mumbo jumbo that you need to know about, you know, and we'll talk you through and handhold you through the situation uh, across the border and carry. Then we have speaking rights and we're able to address the courts, so we're able to update them uh, about the situation. That's so, a frightening experience, Eamon, for people just to go. I mean, people who've never been inside the door of a courthouse in their lives. Very much so. I mean, I, I can remember my own first time going in there. It just and and it was it was nerve wracking. And and you know, I wasn't in difficulty. I was there to help people. So I can only imagine what it's like for people who are going in there with this kind of situation. And you know, what I what I used to say to, my, to, to people who I'm helping who are going into court, you've got to remember that it is a repossession court, and that everybody there is in exactly the same boat as you. Okay. Everybody. That's that's the thing, you know. And nobody's going to be judging you. Nobody's going to be looking at you. They're all worried about themselves. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. And how do people uh, get in contact with the Walia, yeah, Eamon? Well, I suppose from 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 your perspective, the best uh, option is to contact us if you're uh, with an office in Charleville, which is oh seven six one oh seven two four two zero, or with an office in Mallow, oh seven six one oh seven two four four zero. 
And West Cork, have you offices in West Cork? Okay, we'll get we'll 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 track them down as well. All right, Eamon, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that. We'll talk again uh, in the coming weeks and months. But thanks for joining us and talking to us on the program. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Eamon Foley, uh, who is with Mabs. He's a dedicated mortgage arrears advisor. Please, if you find yourself in a situation uh, where you are in serious risk of losing your home or you're in mortgage arrears, go get the help that you need. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Getting reports in that there's a heavy load travelling between Mallow and Mitchellstown at the moment and it is causing traffic delays. So if you're on that road wondering what the hold-ups are, it's to do with that heavy load. I would suggest avoiding if you can delay your journey until that heavy load is off the Mallow to Mitchellstown uh, road. Now more than 200 members of the Irish Farmers Association from across the country as we speak are protesting outside City Hall in Cork today. They say it's in opposition to the government's lack of action to protect the beef sector from a Brexit. We're told there's more than a dozen tractors and we were just getting reports in before 12 that an Aberdeen Angus bull weighing over a tonne is also part of the protest. Joining me from the protest, Cork IFA, Harold Kingston. Good afternoon to you, Harold. Good afternoon, um, and, and you're welcome. Now, I know this is to do with Brexit and beef farmers. Are you talking about predicted losses uh, because of Brexit or losses that have already been suffered? It's losses already suffered because, unfortunately, what has happened is that the market has been distorted. While, while you mightn't see much difference in price in the shop or people in the UK mightn't see an awful lot of difference in, in the shop, because of, of sterling fluctuations and because of the way that um, that the market has been distorted due to the, the, the Brexit announcements, in particular from last October. Um, prices have, have fallen in, in somewhere around the region of 200 euro to 500 euro per animal, depending on, on, the, uh, on the type of animal that you're dealing with. Um, so the total, actually, that, that has been estimated from, from figures that we've seen uh, is, is about 100 million. Um, taken directly out of farmers' pockets based on, on uh, comparing with, with uh, prices pre-Brexit. Um, now, what we've been told all along, uh, we had Minister Creed actually spoke to our AGM, uh, the IFA AGM last January, and it was a case, sure, look, you know, when, when, when Brexit actually happens, we'll know what's happening on the 29th of March. Now, we know what happens, nothing happens, really. And now we're being told that, uh, that we'll have to wait until October to see what happens. And then and nobody really knows what's going to happen. Well, it's, it's not just that, but it's the fact is that, that, that the market has been distorted already. And there's a precedence there because when, when that plane got shot down in Ukraine um, and, and the whole hullabaloo about uh, closing Russian borders at the time, um, there, there, there was a package put in place for, for Irish cheese producers um, there was a package put in place for, I think it was flowers from Holland and uh, I think it was um, Danish pork. Um, so there was, it was recognised, and that's what European Union does, uh, is that it supports its members when there is something happens uh, that is outside the control of, its, of, of the farmers or, or the small businesses involved. So because of that, we, we, we know that this is possible to do. We know that it has actually happened and, and the documentation is there to show that it has happened. Um, so, so we're actually looking for a, a retrospective Brexit payment for beef farmers specifically, and that's what this protest is about. And we've had a, we've, uh, we've had a thousand people, or, or slightly over, I'd say, actually, at the protest. It's 
breaky up now. Um, we 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 met. Uh, we 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 like to welcome the the cabinet to, to Cork City when they come. Uh, we didn't choose the venue. Uh, they they had actually originally planned on going to Blackrock Castle. Uh, we only got got word. Uh, uh, only, only a matter of, of a day or two uh, beforehand to say, well, actually, they're moving now to the to, to City Hall. Did you so meet with any of the cabinet? The, Did any yeah, of them? Yeah, like, look, uh, our, our president uh, got, got access to meet all, all of them, and, and a number of our, our, our executives got, got access to meet Did all of them. Did you get any promises? Uh, well, we, nothing different to what we've been getting all along is that we have your backs, and we're, you know, there, there's loads and loads of promises, but unfortunately, time for promises. Um, you know, the promises is, is, isn't worth much unless it's actually written down. Uh, and we have nothing written down. We have no, no direct uh, income support. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's needed now, really, for to keep these beef farmers in, in business. OK, uh, who, who, whose I'm, idea I'm was it, though, to bring a one-tonne a, a one ton Aberdeen Angus, Jake, Eric? Whose idea was it to bring, to bring uh, a, uh, that, a large that, animal that, like that to the protest? That, that would be me. That would be me. Um, yeah, look, it, it, was, it was discussed about, uh, you know, let, let, you know given, given that, that it's a city centre location, we, we wanted to show what the, the, the general public what this was about. So um, I, I, I specifically uh, sourced uh, a, a bull that, that I knew uh, personally. I knew the owner uh, probably better. Uh, and I knew that it would be the, the ideal animal to actually show the, the, the type of industry we have and that it would be uh, well used to crows. This bull is like, it's, you know, my, my, my cows might be uh, cam in the milking parlour and cam if you meet them in the field, but that's about it. They're, 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 that's what they're used to. But at the end of the day, it's at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's an animal. It's it's a bull. I can see already people on social media are saying extremely dangerous. How would you control it if it got loose? Someone else says irresponsible and stupid in an urban area. No, it, 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 it was perfectly safe because we, we, we made sure it was, it was at a time when, when the, the, there were no um, specific arrivals uh, coming in, uh, there were no sirens, there were no loudspeakers turned on. Uh, um, but that, uh, that, that particular bull, uh, like, like a lot of other uh, uh, show animals, are well used to, to crowds. Well used, you know, if, if you go into Cork Show or if you go into Barry Row Show uh, on, on the second uh, uh, Saturday in July, you'll, you'll see animals parading in front of, of crowds and, and they're well used to, to, to noise and well used to uh, what, what, what a lot of people would think was, was not their natural environment. The reality is it is their natural environment because they're, they're well used to being shown. Okay. Uh, and it's, and, and, so, and so he's, was, he's gone home. Has he gone oh, home? He's gone home. He's, he's gone, gone home. home. He's gone home to Castle Mark there now. Um, and 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 back back to his field. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Look, there there. It's the same with the, like we 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 had a, we had about twenty tractors or so here. We specifically didn't go looking for for huge numbers because we're conscious that we're in a city environment and we didn't want to be holding up traffic. There's always an, an, a knock-on effect for traffic over the whole city if if you if you cause problems in 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 a, an arch way such as this here now on Anglesey Road. We're conscious as well, like the fire station is right beside us. So, we, you know, we, we, we could have gone all out and, and got in 120 tractors or something. That was pointless because, uh, you know, if, if, you, if you start, um, start causing a, a safety problem uh, with the fire station or if you start causing disruption to, to the whole city, then, you know, it's, you're, you're, once you lose the public, you're, you're losing everything. Um, OK, and, 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 and actually no a number of people that. are backing you up saying that he's a show bull and he's used to everything like that, so there was never. Oh yeah, there was never uh, absolutely. Going to be Look, when 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 I uh, was was the one that suggested to me first, uh, uh, and, you know, in the conference call before we we organised this about bringing a, a, an animal, 
um, I, I, I contacted him straight away just to, to see that he'd be available. Uh, and, and the second thing was then that, that we, we did an assessment of the place first to make sure that it was going to be safe. And we did, it was, you know, we only brought him out of the trailer at a time that we knew it was safe to bring him okay. out. And he went back in then. So, right. yeah, oh. look, if, if, look the, wor- the worst thing that could possibly happen is, is that there would be an accident. And farm safety is, is, is a priority for everybody. Um, I was speaking at a farm safety conference uh, on, on, only last week. Uh, and, and, and one of the big things there is, is you know, knowing your surroundings and recognising your surroundings. Uh, and, and that's big time what, what we, we made absolutely sure of because uh, the, the, with any protest like that, you know, you, you, you talk to the guards, you, you get your, your, your plan worked out in advance. Obviously, you know, they're, 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 you don't know exactly how many people are going to turn up. You don't know whether there's going to be somebody kind of in, infiltrate a crowd or whatever like that. But we were very conscious and, and uh, made sure that, that everything was, was, was started properly. And, and now, now all you need is the Taoiseach and the rest of the Cabinet to have listened to Yeah, just a minor, just a minor to, detail yeah. now at the end of it, yeah. And I saw your own President Joe Healy urging the Taoiseach to uh, stop thinking about Kylie and to focus more well, on think, the aid package to be farmers. A, a step too far now. I don't think anyone should ever stop talking, stop thinking about Kylie, but that's, that's just me probably. Um, look, it, 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 You're it, declaring it, you're a Kylie <laughs> Minogue fan. Okay. okay. All right, on that positive note, we leave it. Uh, Harold, thank you for that and uh, safe uh, home back to West Cork. Thanks for joining us. Yep, that I'm, is I'm, uh, I'm, Harold I'm, Kingston joining us from that protest which has now wrapped up uh, in the city by members of the IFA along with that Amber, Aberdeen Angus which I'm reliably formed is a show bull and well used to being shown off and in public places like that John and Cove not having much sympathy though for the farmers he reckons it's the farmers who got us into this trouble by joining the EEC now the EU now the tables have turned and it's hitting the farmers hard uh, John says the fishermen were hit hard over the years the country the government sold out are rich fishing ground so he's got more sympathy for fishermen than he does for farmers. 1850 333 103 before uh, 12 o'clock today I spoke with uh, Eamon from Mabs and it's the um, start of a bi-monthly feature that we're going to be doing with Awalia in order to try to give some help and some support to people who find themselves in mortgage arrears and unfortunately when Eamon was talking he didn't have the number for the West Cork office I did give out the address but thank you to somebody in the West Cork MABS listening to us this morning uh, to tell us that the number for the West Cork MABS is 07610 2450 and they cover the entire West Cork region so that's 0761 072452 if you're in the West Cork area and you find yourself in trouble or you think you're going to end up in trouble with mortgage repayments then please uh, contact them 1850 our lines are open we're looking for your gardening questions please for Peter Dowdle The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie As we mentioned earlier the Alzheimer's Tea Day is on today and the Daily Ground in Canturkin coincides with the monthly afternoon tea between three and half past four. Everybody's welcome, particularly if you have any concerns about dementia. 
transition year students from Colosh de Muira in Butterwind are staging Greece is the Word. It's in Butterwind GAA Hall tonight and tomorrow night, 8 o'clock each night. While the monthly Mass in honour of St. Pio will be on in St. Joseph's Church in Lismar. That's on tonight at 8. All are welcome. Connor Nursing Home in Connor. They will host an Alzheimer Tea Day fundraiser tomorrow, Thursday, between 9.30 and 11.30. And keep a look out. There's a lot of tea days on tomorrow in aid of the Alzheimer's Society. Please support. And there's a state of work and raffle in Bandon GAA Hall this Friday. And that's in aid of the Movidi Union of Parishes. As we've been hearing all morning on our news bulletins, Cork City FC confirmed this morning that John Caulfield is to step down from his position as first-time manager with immediate uh, effect. The club and John Caulfield, they say, in their press statement, came to a mutual agreement today at Bishopstown Stadium. Uh, joining me, the C103 soccer correspondent, uh, Trevor Welch. Uh, good afternoon to you, Trevor. Afternoon, uh, And you're welcome. Is it too soon for this type of decision? axing the manager? I think it is personally, Trish. I mean, you look at John's record, I suppose, and he's most the most successful manager in the history of the club, you know, winning the double for the first time in the club's history in 2017. And, uh, you know, what he, what he achieved since he was appointed in November of 2013 was, you know, unprecedented. Um, I'm sure nobody, no Cork City supporters in their wildest dreams could have imagined what, what he'd achieved. You know, matching Dundalk, who have uh, huge investments and, uh, you know, John Caulfield's and Cork City never finished outside the top two in his, uh, in his uh, five years there, you know. So, I mean, it's a massive achievement what, what he uh, achieved with Cork City Football Club. And what's gone wrong this year for the club? Well, I think the team has drained the confidence, uh, Trish. You know, at the end of last season, Cork City lost a lot of experienced players to England. Um, he's brought up a few players from, from the U team, a few young lads who will take a while to bid in, so they're going through a transitional period. Um, the four players that he identified that he wants to bring to Cork City, uh, well-established League of Ireland players went elsewhere, the likes of Derry, Shamagovers, Bohemians, because Cork City's budget was cut by €300,000. Um, so those players went uh, elsewhere, which you couldn't blame them, you know. To, it's a short career for footballers, so they go where the money is. And, uh, you know, I know John was really disappointed that the budget was cut because they made a profit every year in the four years that John Coffey was manager. You know, getting into Europe was big. They were in Europe every year under John, and they made some money from that. But, you know, they... they they somehow uh, saw fit to cut the budget then, you know, and, and this is what, uh, what's turned out. And that has to have an effect, doesn't it, if he doesn't have the players? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they're third from bottom uh, without a win in eight league matches. You know, they haven't been scoring goals. They only won one match at home. The fans have um, dwindled out. The support has dwindled. You know, they went from 3,500 out to last Monday, 1,600 1, yeah. fans watching. And I think the bottom of the table clashed against Van Harps. The draw was probably the last draw for the board, even though I think they kind of may, maybe might regret it, you know, because... Do you, do, do, do you think they should have given him more time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's the man to get us out of it, Trish, I think. To be fair to him, he's been very unlucky in terms of injuries to key players. You know, the experienced players that he's had, Garrod Morrissey, one of the best players in his position in the league, was out for a while. Cal Shepard, the captain, has been out. Conor McCormick's been out. Alan Bennett, Darrow Connor who was a very exciting winger they bought from UCD last year. He's one of the most exciting talents in the league and he's been out for a few weeks. So all of them back together, like those five players mentioned, would all start for him. So, you know, I think if he had them, which he will in a few weeks' time, I think they'd start going up the table again. Uh, not in the top four, but certainly get us out of um, 
the mess that we're in at the moment, you know, and good luck to the guy that comes in because, you know, with, with the squad at the moment, it's going to be really tough for them. I, I just think John's know-how and knowledge and enthusiasm and energy for the game, um, you know, I, I would have kept him on, definitely. And yet in the press statement from Cork City, they say it was a mutual agreement and they mm. quote John as saying, I feel the time is right to part ways with the club. Do you get the sense he was pushed? Yeah, I do. I have to say, Trish, like John just lives for the game and he loves Cork City. He's a legend at the club. I mean, as a player, he's the most uh, most appearance for the, for the club, joint top scorer of all time, most successful manager in the history of the club. You know, he would have, he, he would have wanted to be on, no doubt about it, and, you know, test himself again to get out of this, you know. Um, but I, I, do, I, I do think, you know, he'll stay in the game. I think, Trish, um, the FEI, the new FEI coming in, the new board should look at John Coffey because of his ideas and energy. He's always spoken up for the League of Ireland as well, which he didn't get enough credit for, you know. Um, trying to make the league a better league here. And um, I think there's a role there from, or maybe, you know, another club might might want to want him to be their manager as well, you know. Could, um, could he be the next John Delaney? Well, I, I definitely I definitely see a role from, um, you know, in, in terms of coaching, maybe in the youth section. Might, there might be a few people in the FAA want to block him, um, but... You know, I, I definitely think, um, you know, he's he's infectious and he's, he's his love for the game, you know. And he's one of the nicest guys you'll meet yeah. um, as well. As, Everybody you know, says that. Everyone who's ever come mm. in contact with him says that. But, I mean, we're also looking at, at a new board in, in the yeah. FAI. I mean, this is the kind of guy we need. Definitely. I mean, you've heard that the board is, is, is an experience. It's a whole new board almost, you know, from the, the previous uh, Forest Board of members who enjoy the most successful period in the history of the club. I know they're finding their feet as well. I just hope they won't regret the decision. You know, I, I do think though, Trish, that, you know, Cork City needs an investor. I mean, you look at Dundalk, big investment, Shamrock Rovers now have a big investor in their top of the league. Like Stephen Bradley, the Rovers manager, for example, was under pressure and almost out the door for the last few years, but the, all of a sudden they inject the money in and they're top of the league. Like, I think Cork City's budget to run a League of Ireland club, Cork City's budget to run Cork City every year is over two million, you know? Um, it is it is very hard to sustain it, you know, especially with the crowds. I think I'm right in saying that Cork City need over three and a half thousand at every home match to break even, and the crowds have gone down. You know, so that's a big concern as well. They are in Europe again this season, and it takes a year on from your previous appearance in Europe to receive the money. But you know, I I do think that you know they should have, they should have kept on to to John really. Do you, have you spoken with John today? No, but I did text him and. Um, you know, just uh, I'd be good friends with John going back the years. I, I actually played months of senior league with John, believe it or not, Trish. Look at you know, you might never thought I played soccer. Yeah. No, we, I knew we, you we, did, we, but I didn't know you played with John, yeah. Yeah, we played uh, months of senior league together in 1985 at Wembley. John came down, uh, I think, from Athlone at the time when I was uh, doing a bit of pirate radio and we became friends playing with the same team and our love for music as well. And, you know, he's, he's a great guy, great energy. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I, I do feel sorry for him. Um, because you so know, you've texted him, but you haven't heard from him today. You haven't spoken yeah, with him today, okay? Yeah, I just texted him to say, you know, that you, as a Cork City fan myself, you know, I'm, you know, delighted and proud of what he achieved for Cork City Football Club and their fans, and uh, he, he appreciated all the, the goodwill and, and the interviews and coverage that Cork City Six FM and C103 gave him down the years as well. He, he put that in record to acknowledge that. But but you're gutted for him. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, I am. You really, I really are. Yeah. Yeah, he's just one of these passionate fellas, Trish. You know, he kicks every ball from the touchline. He's very kind of uh, animated, 
you know, and, and as I said earlier, he speaks he, spe- he speaks really well about the league. He gives really good interviews, and he's very knowledgeable on the league. And you know, to find him out in the coals, the most successful manager. I suppose football is very fickle, especially yeah. in the country. I think Trish, you know, Unfortunately. you have to be winning all. The, you have to be winning all the time. But sometimes you just need a bit of time to regroup. You know. And I know the news only broke um, uh, officially the, the news from Cork City only broke uh, this morning but are you getting any reaction on the ground from fans? What, what are people saying yeah. in the city? Getting a lot of stuff on social media a lot of response to you know the tweets I put on myself about John um, a lot of them have been really disappointed and loyalty question mark question mark question mark where's the loyalty to the man who brought us the most success in the history of club in the history of the club he won half of the trophies Trish that we won in 35 years, so he won half in five years compared to the previous... That's an incredible statistic, isn't it? Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, put that in context, like 30 years it took to win something like, we'd say, five trophies, and he won similar in five years. Of the main trophies, he probably won a lot more with the Monster Cup, Monsignor Cup, and the Santa Sports Cup, and, you know, the President's Cup, but he won... The double in 2017, he won two FA Cups. He brought us to four FA Cup finals in a row, which is, you know, unprecedented as well. So, you know, he's, he's, his achievement has been remarkable. Yeah, seems to be, and, there's, and I can see even the calls in the text here, there seems to be a lot of sympathy out there for him. Uh, but a number of people saying, make sure you ask Trevor, who does, who does he think will step up now and who is the next likely manager for yeah, Cork City? That's the question, and two names have been branded about, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of these two will get the job. I know that John Cottery's assistant is uh, looking after affairs in term at the moment, and he'll be in charge for the Bohemians game on Friday night. But uh, I think uh, in their long-term um, uh, search for a manager, it looks like it would be between Colin Healy, the former Irish international, former Cork City player, of course, used to play former Celtic player as well, a lot of injuries in his career, but he's with the youth uh, structure in Cork City at the moment, so be nice to see someone in-house I suppose get it and the other one is another former Cork City player who played with Tottenham in his day Neil Fenn he's uh, manager currently of Longford Town who are uh, going well up top uh, in, in the first division he's a relatively young manager and um, you know they might see him as maybe a man to come in and do a job as well you know Okay Alright listen we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us, uh, Trevor. Thank you for that and th- thank yes, you for uh, for your contribution. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Trevor Welch, who is the C103 soccer correspondent on the departure. The announcement today of John Caulfield leaving Cork City FC as a manager. Get your gardening questions in, please, because Peter Dowdell is going to be joining us after the break, just before he does text in about the IFA. Jim says, what beef farmers need is an agri-environmental scheme. All this increased production is nonsense, in particular in the context of climate change. That's from Jim. And I mentioned the West Cork Mabs office and I called out their number and I got the last digit wrong. And my apologies. The number for the West Cork Mabs office is 076 076-107-2450 Nick Richards, weekday afternoons from 1 C103 I'm at Cork Racecourse Mallow today Tell us about your day so far We, um, I suppose we were up in the restaurant with the chair uh, owner of um, number 4 in the 310 What was the name of it? Western Point oh, Okay, it was nearly a winner Nearly, it was like second last Nearly a winner, second last. No, no, it wasn't nearly a winner. You know about as much about the horse racing as me. There's only like six in the race, so it was kind of nearly a winner.
Weekday afternoons from 1. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Sunday mornings, C103 brings you interviews with actors and theatre directors, concert news and show reviews, live studio performances and festival roundups, exhibition info and the very latest film news. The Arts House, Sunday mornings, 8 till 10. With Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. The great taste of home. On C103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086. 2103103. And Peter Dowd of uh, joining us on this Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, and, Chris. And How are you? I'm very, I'm very well. We had a lovely, bright, sunny spring morning for the, for the 1st of May. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. And now it's turned and I know it's going to be wet for the afternoon. And that's okay. kind of what this month can be like, isn't it? It's kind of hit and miss during May. It can. We all remember last May and we're hoping for the same again, but that's not to say it will be. Uh, it is. It is hit and miss and a- April is that way. A- April is, I think I'm right in saying April is the one that they say comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb and it did a lot of that this year. April was very much changing of the seasons and it, it looks like it's continuing into certainly the first week in May, but hopefully it'll settle down and give us some nice, like this morning was gorgeous. I was actually Beautiful. down in Cove looking at a garden and it was hot, properly hot down there. So hopefully yeah. more of that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let me go straight into questions. Now, a listener sent on photographs here of a Grisolinia hedge that got damaged in the frost. And actually, I've noticed this in my neighbourhood as well. It's just the very top of the hedge. You can see it's gone black and burnt and yeah. dead uh, looking. Uh, Kathleen Abandon has sent in photographs of her Grisolinia uh, hedge. Wonders, will it recover and uh, should it be trimmed? The short answer is, will it recover? Is yes, it will. It's only it's a very light damage. I know it looks very dramatic. It looks nearly like it's been burnt. And if you yeah, haven't seen it, it before, you get quite a fright. But no, it's just frost damage. It's the the very tender new growth of the grislinia is obviously very susceptible to to any drop in temperatures, and that's what's happened. And the new growth has, has just literally shriveled up and burnt up. So it'll come on now, the increase in temperatures. We might even get some more late frost. It might do it again, but it's not long-term damage, so don't worry. Trimming it, probably not a bad idea, but certainly don't go too hard in this, at this time of the year. But you could probably trim it, all right. And Michael in Bantry was on because he said <coughs> all of his French lavender, a plum tree and a privet hedging was burnt before and after the storm. He's wondering, was that frost... Or was it frost and a combination of the storm with it and will all of it recover? <laughs> a few questions on that. The, the, the lavender and most of that, the privet hedging, obviously without seeing it, it's impossible to say. The privet hedging is possibly the new growth like the Grislinia is frost. The lavender, I would say, is certainly the wind from the storm. And the third one was? The plum tree. Plum tree, yeah. I would say that was the, frost, or the storm damage as well. Um, so the easy bit is probably saying what it was. It, the, the, the storm is what dried them out, which desiccated the plants and leads to this browning and, and burnt effect. That's the easy bit. The, the the more difficult question to answer is, will they come back? So that depends totally on how severe the damage has been. Obviously, without seeing it, it's impossible to answer. And even with seeing it, it's kind of difficult to answer. It's just a question, really, of wait and see. Um, that's the bad news. Is But the good news is that... Um, I would say they all will come back. My my gut would say yes. The one that would be most at risk there, I think, would be the lavender, uh, because if that has dried out, it doesn't always regenerate perfectly. I wouldn't have any worries about the privet hedge or realistically the plum. Um, the lavender maybe. It's just a question of wait and see. They'll all benefit from being, well, except the plum. I wouldn't trim him. him. I wouldn't trim the plum tree, but you could trim the privet hedge. You could trim the lavender. Don't cut either of them too hard. Just give them a 
a light trim to maybe encourage some new growth. Uh, and I'd say you should be safe enough. And Becky, just when we're talking about the storms, Becky is making the point that there was damage done to some trees where they mightn't have come down. Uh, now that there's the calm after the storm, people need to take a look at trees that they have on their land to make sure that the next storm won't bring them down. Absolutely right. And I was just having this conversation with a, with a tree surgeon, Neil Vaughan, the other day. We were looking at some, some chestnuts in particular that some branches had come down. And like we're always preaching the same thing, is, is that you should take action on trees before nature does because if you get a good tree surgeon in to take care of your trees, they'll take them down in a managed, professional manner. But the storm won't. <laughs> you know, the storm has no regard for life or property. It'll just it'll take down whatever is weak or vulnerable. Uh, and the, the caller is right because it is now that, you, you know, you seemingly, you might seeming, it may seem that you've got over the storm scot-free, but actually trees have been destabilized. And it's an interesting time to get a storm because we don't normally get such a severe wind. Not at this time of the year, yeah. When, like during the winter, we get those severe winds and trees are designed perfectly from an, from an aerodynamic perspective, Trish, and that to allow the strongest of winds to go through them. That's why they stay up. Nature, of course, as we all know, is just amazing. But uh, it's now when, we're, when the, the trees are coming into leaf, that canopy, there's much more weight on the tree and they're offering much more wind resistance. So they're much more vulnerable to, to damage from the tree. So if you can imagine a bare tree with a 100 mile an hour wind going through it, it's designed perfectly, provided there's no uh, instability or, or vulnerable branches or no ivy going through, through the tree, that wind will pass through the tree fine. If you can imagine that tree with 30, 40 or even 50% leaf cover, then there's a hood nearly acting like a sail to the wind. So the wind will have destabilised a lot of the trees at this time of year. So get out and just uh, keep an eye on it. Have a look. Get advice. Yeah. Okay. Um, Catherine, can I trim a camellia after flowering? Yes, and it is the right time to do it. So depending on your camellia, they may have finished flowering. Some varieties will still be in flower. There's another month or so left in some of them. But if your camellia has finished flowering, then yes, prune away now. And you do have a short enough window because, of course, they'll set their flower buds for next spring this autumn so July onwards is when they'll start thinking about flowers for next year you've got to get the pruning done before that West Cork caller says could you please ask Peter how do I get rid of leather jackets from my lawn they have it destroyed will they go away themselves how do they come onto the lawn in the first place and will they come back again Okay, leather jackets are the, the term that we give to the larvae of the, the daddy longlegs or the crane fly, you know, that, that fly that we see in late, late summer and autumn, the daddy longlegs. <coughs> the, the, the leather jackets are its eggs. So the adult uh, female is laying her larvae in the lawn. It's a bit early to be seeing any damage from leather jackets yet. It's normally kind of midsummer when they start laying, laying their larvae. And as they hatch, or as the eggs hatch or in, into larvae, they become these uh, leather jackets. Sorry, as the larvae hatch into grubs. Uh, and they, the leather jackets themselves are rarely a huge problem in the lawn. You will see some brown patches underneath and some maybe some brown tunnelling, but it's rare enough to have them as a huge problem. But the problem is, and you'd often see this in July and August, Trish, is when you see the bigger birds and the crows and the magpies pecking at your lawn and you're wondering what they're doing, uh, and they're taking up big tufts of grass and the soil, they're, they're feeding on the leather jackets. So it tends to be the bigger birds that cause the damage uh, from the infestation more than the grubs themselves. The best cure for it is to introduce a nematode. There's something called Super Nemo, uh, which is a, it's an Irish product, and it's a biologically controlled, perfectly environmentally sound. Best bet is to go online, 
I put in Super Nemo, Super Nemo's with an S at the end. It'll bring you up this Dublin website with a phone number and the email addresses, uh, and, and just buy it mail order. Some garden centres may stock it, and they just uh, post it out to you, don't they? They post it out to you, and yeah. it's the best treatment of all. And it, and it has the benefit as well of treating vine weevils. So if you have vine weevil in the garden, It'll it will cover that. that as well. Yeah. Okay, I have two trees, says a listener, called Heba New Zealand in pots with a couple of years. They are the fill of the pots. Can I cut them back, or would I be better off? planting them out I don't know exactly what it is so I wonder should it be a hebe I wonder is it hebe H-E-B-E which is a shrub um, I'm not I'm not aware of any with a variety in New Zealand but anyway getting to the point if it's filled whatever it is if it has filled the pot then yes it would need either to go into a bigger pot or into the ground so taking something out of a pot and putting it into the ground can be done now. That's no problem. Your problem lies if you want to take something out of the ground at this time of the year, you can't. So planting from a pot into the ground, no problem at all at this time of the year. So that would be the advice I would give. But send a, send a photograph of what it is uh, into into John Paul with yourselves. Or and we can dad, pass it on. At Facebook, I'll have a look at it and okay. see if we can identify it. A Tim in from Oi. Can tulips and daffodils be left in the pots until this time next year? Again, it's one of these things to dig up or not to dig up. Well, the, the, the textbook and the correct answer is I, I'm going to give you to take them out of the ground or out of the pots, uh, split them, store them until the autumn and then replant them again. You can go in the same pots again in the autumn. Uh, the benefit of that is it frees up the pots for some summer colour, which which it doesn't really if you're leaving the bulbs in it. Um, the The... If you don't do that, and if you do leave them in the pot, the daffodils will come on, certainly. Now, after certainly three or four years, you will need to do it because they'll go blind and they'll stop flowering. They'll be too congested, so you'll have to divide them. But you don't have to do it every year. So the, the answer to the daffodils part is, yes, you could leave them in the pot uh, for two or three years, then lift them. The tulips, not so much. Tulips will tend not to do very well if you leave them in the soil, either in the open soil or in a pot year after year. I would suggest with the tulips to lift them uh, wrap them in a bit of straw or newspaper, keep them somewhere cool and dry until the autumn and then plant them again. And uh, Tim also says his rhubarb was very good last year, but it's bad this year. Is there anything I can feed it with? And somebody else said a similar uh, text uh, in saying, never happened before, but my rhubarb really not doing well this year. It's funny because I'm getting a lot of questions on the same question this year on rhubarb not thriving and rhubarb not doing particularly well. Um, I've put it up on on my own page on Facebook to get other people's opinions and suggestions and it's one of the most active posts I've put up in the last couple of months. Lots of people have opinions. A couple of people are saying that it's because of the very mild winter that they're not doing so well. I would say, whether it is or not, I would think feed them heavily, feed them with the nature-safe granular, which is a plant-based plant food uh, with no animal products. So it's all plant-based and you're going to be eating it. So it's, it's fine and it's very good feed for, for rhubarb. My gut always tells me with rhubarb to do two things if it's not thriving. Number one, feed it heavily. So use the nature-safe granular or there's a nature-safe liquid. Use one of them and feed it. And then uh, later on in the summer, lift it out of the ground, divide it. Rhubarb can get, the crowns can get congested as well. Divide it, replant it in the autumn. Uh, you can lift it and divide it at the same time. Uh, back into the ground. Again, feed it heavily. Um good rich soil, good rich compost, even get some seaweed from the beach, uh, let it rinse it, let, the, let the, the salt rinse out of it, and then just mulch around the, the rhubarb with the seaweed. Normally, the, if you feed it well and, and lift and divide it every three or four years, you should be okay. Okay, Patricia in the city has planted a new lawn. The grass is just starting to come up. When does she put the fertiliser on it? No need for fertiliser, I would say, to be honest with you. Um 
if it's a new lawn, uh, grass grass seed, like again, nature is amazing. Right? Nature does everything for us. You put grass in the soil, you give it some sunshine and some water, it will grow. It really, we, we don't need to confuse the issue because if you put on too much fertilizer, you'll end up burning it. So really, I'd leave well alone at the moment. All it needs is what nature provides, which is rain and sunshine. If, if we are facing into a drought, or, or even a dry few days, you'll need to water it. But I'd be much more concerned in watering it at this time of year than I would uh, on fertilising. Okay. I, would, I wouldn't even touch it with a, with a plant food for the first six months. Okay, Veronica has a Skimia japonica. It's gone very big. When is the best time to cut it back? It, it's actually one of these ones like the uh, camellias in that it sets its flower buds in, in the, the autumn of this year for next opening next spring they're a very popular plant as a pot plant around Christmas Trish you know you see them with these sprays of buds throughout Christmas give me a rubella um, there's many of them um, there's male and female forms the male ones are the better ones to flower which I imagine is what she has uh, so prune it back yeah, now pretty much and then feed it with the something like sulfate of potash or that nature safe that I was talking about come July, August, and that will help to promote flowers then for next year. Okay, could you ask, uh, Peter, please, I have uh, three apple trees. I had about three flowers on each, but since the wind last Friday, all the flowers are gone. Will I get flower? Will I get apples this year, or will I have to wait until next year? I did have right. apples before. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, that it's unlikely. Uh, if the flowers are gone, gone, depending on how long they were on, it's on, on the tree, like we rely on the bees and the other pollinating insects to pollinate, to, to bring the pollen from one flower to another and to fertilize the fruit. Um, if the flowers are blown off before the bees did it, then no, you're not going to, to get fruit. If the flowers have been removed completely off the tree, you're not going to get fruit. However, if the bees did manage to do their job uh, and it was just the petals that have been blown off, well, then you will have fruit. So it's, it's, a, it's another question of wait and see, but that's very few blooms, very little blossom on each. You should be getting substantially more um, if they're new trees, maybe fertilise them uh, in in the autumn. Or sorry, in the where are we? Too late for this. You could give them a shot of of, of organic fertilizer now, but it'd be more important to give them a shot of organic fertilizer. Let's say next February and March. Uh, if they're mature trees, I would look very much at pruning them during November, December, that time of the year, to encourage more fruiting spurs. Okay, John and Kilmichael has something called a feather plant. Do you know what that okay. is? I yeah. don't. No, we'll try it. We'll, we'll hazard it, an answer. He says it's grow. Though. It's growing very big, about seven foot high, and the same in diameter. Is there any way of tidying it up or cutting it back? I'd say I'd need to see a photograph to get yeah. proper advice. I suspect it might be a pampas grass because they're quite feathery flowers, and they and they and they grow mentioned. quite tall as well. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the short answer is no. There isn't really an easy way of. of keeping them in check but I'd say send a photograph into yourselves or to myself on Facebook and we'll have a look at it Some Tess says that, they, that there was a frost on her car this morning at 7 o'clock will that do sure. summer bedding damage well yeah the, 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 I'm surprised to hear that because I, was, I, I don't was know what area I don't know it's a whatsapp so I don't know what area yeah. it's come in from I was up at the veritable lark this morning I was up about 6 o'clock and it was, it was a lovely morning outside um, there was so, yeah. a dew on my gr- on my car though there this was morning. That, was, 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 was that a moist. frost first, yeah. I wonder? Maybe, maybe. Anyway, whether of which there was a frost where she is, so yes, the answer is yes, you would need to be careful of bedding. Now, bedding is all over all the garden centres at the moment, widely available, summer bedding, and no harm to get some started now and to get your, your baskets and that planted, but they will need protection uh, at night time when the temperatures are dropping. Now, they mightn't drop from now on, Trish, as you were saying, that we're in for some, some cloudy 
and rainy weather over the next few days. So the temperatures probably won't drop that much, but you will still need to be paying attention. Uh, just one one evening, the, the frost we got last night is unlikely to have done much damage, but it will have done some because you've got to remember most of the bedding plants that you will be buying in gardens that has been grown indoors up to this point. So you, it's gone from an indoor heated, heated or unheated, but certainly frost-free environment into the great outdoors. So it is vulnerable, yes. You will have to keep an eye. OK, we'll wrap it up there and we'll talk to you again next week. There's one question that came in, Trish, just for you. If you go, John Paul, forward on to me, uh, on law, a lawn, and somebody's damaged lawn, I won't, uh, you know you don't have time to go through the answer now, but okay. just to let the caller know, I'll put it up on the Irish Gardener on Facebook, and I'll throw up uh, uh, what I think it might be. Okay. If they want to have a look, it'll be up there. Perfect. Thanks for that, Peter. Thanks, Trish. Have Bye. a good week. That is uh, Peter Dowdell, theirishgardener.com. Um, back with us next uh, Wednesday. Okay, that's where I wrap it up for today. Thank you to people wishing me good luck on the trip to uh, Belarus this time. Tomorrow I should be just about there. I will do my very best to speak with John Paul on Friday morning before 12, a quarter to 12. We're hoping to do um, a hookup and John Paul will be here for tomorrow and uh, Tuesday, uh, tomorrow and Friday and then I'll be back on uh, Tuesday morning. Once again, thank you to so many people who have been so generous and I will spread as much love and happiness as I can with the donations that we've received from uh, people. Until next Tuesday morning, I'm Patricia Messenger. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.